Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, January 28th, 2024. My name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater from Canby, Oregon. The share ID number for Friday, January 26th, 2024, are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study share ID number is 21075. 21,075. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study, its share ID number is 21076. 21,076. This morning, A Vision for You presents Forgiveness, the Golden Hinge, Abstinence Swings On. Today, we are privileged to have with us an inspiring individual who will share insights on a topic that is both profound and pivotal in our journey of recovery. Forgiveness, the golden hinge, abstinence swings on. Just how the practice of step 11 has enabled a mighty change towards forgiveness and a true relationship with power. On pages 85 and 88 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it is written clearly the precise directions to enlarge our conscious contact with God. There is no doubt, only promises for this to be. Change, a psychic change, 180 degree difference and turn from what we were to what we have become is promised. Our speaker will take us through an intimate exploration of how step 11, the practice of seeking a deeper spiritual connection through prayer and meditation has been instrumental in the path to forgiveness. Forgiveness often termed as the golden hinge is a crucial element that supports and sustains abstinence. It's not just about forgiving others. It's it's also about learning to forgive ourselves by releasing the burdens of the past, to move forward in recovery, and to return to relationship with God and humankind because we can't give away something we don't have. But this journey to forgiveness isn't a simple path. It requires subcutaneous underground spiritual work a connection that goes well below and beyond the surface and delves into the core of our being. Our speakers share personal experiences of how cultivating a robust spiritual connection through Step 11 practice has opened the door to profound forgiveness and change, an essential step towards freedom, true freedom and healing and recovery. Expect to hear a story of transformation, of battle fought, and one against inner demons and of the peace and strength found in a higher power. This is a story about the power of forgiveness to change lives, mend relationships, and bring about a sense of peace and serenity that sustains long-term recovery. This presentation will set the stage for a meaningful discussion highlighting the importance of forgiveness in the recovery process and the speaker's personal journey in achieving it through his spiritual practice. So prepare yourself for the last segment of the Sunday special edition for the Q&A. So please join me in welcoming this morning a speaker who embodies the spirit of resilience, hope, and the transformative power of forgiveness and recovery. His journey is a testament to the incredible strength that lies in surrendering to a higher power and embracing the journey of spiritual growth. So let's welcome our speaker this morning who will surely leave us with invaluable insights and a renewed sense of purpose on the path of recovery. This morning, may I present to you Larry G. from California. 
Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Melanie. You said uh, that we're dedicated to recovery and we take our message out in the world. That's what I found about um, the fellowship that I've enjoyed the most is, is becoming recovered and then taking this message and helping others. It's, it's been a joy. I, I love metaphors, and I, I came over this metaphor because I, I think metaphors explain complicated and deep concepts. And I, when I think of uh, forgiveness, which I've developed as a result of forgiveness practice, as a result of the web step, I think of a hinge, and not just any kind of hinge, not the hinge that you can buy at a hardware store, but I'm talking about a hinge that's made by a metal worker, these big, you know, thick hinges made by a blacksmith. And my door is, I, I envision my recovery or absence as this this thick, uh, reclaimed piece of oak. Uh, and you have to have something really sturdy for that door to swing on because we have our ups and downs and our recovery is rich and it is, uh, it's heavy at times, but it's also uh, a joy. So I, I think of forgiveness then as a hinge that, re- that absence swings on. Um, I'm going to talk about the 11th step and how I got started with the 11th step. Uh, but I first of all want to just share with you why I have so much conviction and so much passion around forgiveness. Um, if it's good enough for Dr. Bob and, Do- and Bill W., it's good enough for me. Uh, I think if they were here to tell you today that you know forgiveness is one of the single most important ingredients in, in a recovered life. Uh, of course, the, the number one is surrender. Nothing happens unless I surrender, and surrender takes place many, many times throughout the day, not just once. But forgiveness, to me, is the other a non-negotiable ingredient, if I'm going to have peace, happiness, direction, and power, and I, that's a promise that is in the big book. It's, um, I have it marked here. It's on page, uh, if you're following me, it's on page 50. And it, it talks about at the very bottom of the paragraph, it says, in face of, <clears throat> of collapse and despair, in the face of total failure, of their human resources, they found a new power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction flowing through them. Power, of course, God. And I, I think without a practice of forgiveness, that promise is beyond my grasp, especially peace. Um, and peace is something that's mentioned many, many times in the big book. And to me, uh, peace is the most precious commodity in my life because I've had a chaotic life with addiction brings chaos. Um, So let me begin. I, in 2019, um, I celebrated 19 years and over years anonymous. Um, And I had my own defined absence, a definition of absence. And I think, you know, in my community, I don't know about yours, but in my community, this is the only 12 step program that the, you know, the member comes up with their own absence, you know, in AA, you don't come up with your own definition of sobriety. Sobriety is entire absence. Entire absence from what? Entire absence from any form of booze. Um, and my definition of absence was if I could, I, I could contain one binge a week, uh, eat whatever I want, 
and I get right back on the horse uh, without further binging, then I was abstinent. And that worked for a long time. I worked for 19 years. It was, uh, it was a, you know, I had my cake and eat it, right? That metaphor. Um, and so, but in 2019, the one food that I, I promised God that I would, re- I would start my absence over and I would see it as a full relapse was donuts. Um, donuts was uh, the drug of choice. And it was like, uh, it was like crack to me, like crack to the addict, alcoholic, bottle of vodka to the alcoholic. Um, donuts was my bottle of vodka. Um, I started to go back to this, uh, this AA meeting called the traditional group, and they, they serve donuts every Saturday. And, it's, and Saturday mornings, there's a lot of joy there. There's a lot of activity. It's, you know, people are getting together after a hard week. And they serve these donuts. I started mainlining these donuts, and I, 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 I know people were watching me because I was eating more than my fair share. But the real damage came is when I left that meeting, and I would go to uh, this place, and I would buy a dozen donuts, and that's when uh, the beginning of the end of of uh, life that I knew it came. Because at that point, I was I had lost uh, 85 pounds. I was I could hike. You know, we, my wife and I, we trekked through Scotland, hiked 500 miles. I can swim. I can bike. And that was my badge of honor. You see, I could, I could go in a meeting. I could tell, tell people about my physical prowess uh, hiking up and down 13,000-foot elevation with a backpack on, and I could claim my absence, having that one binge a week. Uh, that's when the, the, the wheels of the cart came off. I could not put the food down, and I knew in my heart, I was terrified. I knew in my heart that it was over with. I knew in my heart that a hundred pound or more was in the making. And I knew in my heart that my ability to white knuckle it had been smashed. And I was terrified um, because I had tried everything at that point to stop eating this donut and it was not working. Um, In January of 2020, our community had a, our OA community hosted an OA birthday. and at that birthday party, we had a speaker, a keynote speaker uh, from San Francisco. And I had, that Friday night, I had, I, I calculated it was about a 20,000 calorie binge. Um, dozen donuts, bagels, uh, two pints of, of gelato ice cream, um, a box of ice cream sandwiches for other, on the way home. They had these huge slices of cake in the bakery, about 52 ounces. And I bought a tub of macaroni and cheese. I came home, and I woke up that next morning. I really, I thought I had to go to emergency. I ate the way I drank, and my my hangovers were horrific, and my hangovers from food were horrific. And I don't know if any of you have ever heard the the, the term wet brain. You go to meetings, and there's people who have drank themselves to where there's so much brain damage. I start. I, I was having trouble now recovering. It was it was taking me. You know, what took me 12 hours was now taking me 78 hours. I was in so much agony. I was drinking, um, you know, a couple liters of Diet 7 up. My wife and I had agreed to get service at this meeting. And so I showed up and I was going to blow out of there. I had my best jeans on. They were probably size uh, 48s. I couldn't button them. I had a belt uh, that was holding them up. I had this 3XL uh, Hawaiian shirt to, uh, so it covered that belt. I was sweating. And I was miserable, and I was—I just wanted to get the f out of there after I gave service. And then the speaker got up there, and this um, this woman, 
who was like a light. She was about 5'3", and uh, she talked about eating the way I eat and thinking about food and behaving around about food the way I was behaving and thinking about food. And then she launched into this, uh, her pitch. And I swear to God, I felt I was in an AA revival. I hadn't heard this message in my OA community in a long time, a long, long time. And um, I was, my wife came and said, you're ready to go. I said, here's the keys to the car. I'm staying. And I, and I listened. Um, unfortunately, from that point until May, um, I descended into hell and to darkness like I had not experienced in a long, long time. Um, after a, another one of those binges on Friday night, uh, May 17, calling my sponsor, my sponsor saying, oh, Larry, you're being too hard on yourself. Uh, that's not a relapse. Um, you know, let's, let's take a fresh start. You used to eat like that every day before you got in OA. Um, I want you to write a 10-page, vomit your feelings out and do a 10-step and call me. And so Sunday, I started to recover, and I had a pretty good morning, pretty good lunch um, and dinner. And by the dinner, I had four dinners. I had four dinners. I could not stop eating. Um, all that frothy emotional appeal in the morning was, was done. And there's a line on page, I think, page 22 that talks about we cannot summon, uh, we cannot, uh, summon the sufficient consciousness to remember the pain humiliation of a day or a week ago. Um, and I really wanted to commit suicide. I, was, I had a plan that was, that was foolproof. My wife would get the insurance, and no one would have known that I committed suicide. I wanted to die. Um, but something happened. You know, there was still a will to live. And I remember getting on my knees and just calling out to God. And I, I, the prayer was not an eloquent prayer. There was probably some F-bombs in there. But then there was this intuitive thought to call this person. Why don't you call that person, Larry, that was speaking at that meeting? And I called that for, I called the, uh, the chair of that meeting, got the number, and I called, uh, I called her. And she picked up on the very first ring. Uh, and I didn't know at the time that she was in a vision for you, but she said, uh, she didn't tell me anything about what she did. I wanted the secret sauce. I wanted the, the secret code. I, you know, when she told me about this meeting on Monday, I said to myself, not a, another F meeting. I just want to know how you and the hell are you doing this? Uh, how did you get to where you were when I met you on, in January? And she said, I want you to, to, to be on this meeting tomorrow morning. And I got on that meeting on, on uh, Monday morning of May 18th, 2020. And it was a vision for you meeting. And, you know, vision for you is a meeting. It's not the best meeting. It's not the word. It's a meeting. And it's my fellowship now. And it's my home group. And I heard a message there that I had never heard ever before in OA. And I've been around for 19 years or more longer. I heard it in AA, you know, at, at, at your traditional fundamental pockets of, of meetings in Sacramento, you would hear the message. You would hear people talking about, you know, um, what it was like, and you hear people about the, the solution. And I was really attracted to the fact that this, our fellowship is based on uh, the first 100 pioneers, um, and we study the, the big book, and nothing but the big book except the 12 and 12. Um, and I, I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop crying. Now, uh, in the back of the big book, uh, on, on the appendix, appendix uh, number two, Bill talks about spiritual experience, and there's about 11, 12 different ways that he explained spiritual experience, which is surrender to me. 
and it it's, it, it 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 covers the spectrum from uh, a revol sudden revolutionary change uh, to a education the educational variety. In that moment, before that meet before that meeting at six fifty nine, I was trying to figure out how I could put I can eat my my alcoholic foods and stay absent. At seven oh five or seven. 15 after the meeting after the uh, the person launched into their pitch and we started the general meeting I had a sudden revolutionary change. I was not the same person now I don't know about you, but if that's not a miracle. I don't know what is So I wanted to share that story with you because it's important for you to know that I do the work um, that I Work this program like my hair is on fire. My sponsor is on this call and I love this person, uh, and, and she will tell you that I do the work. That person who introduced me to that call became my sponsor, and within three months, we had finished the steps, and I was a pain in the ass. In the very first session, uh, she asked me to bring my alcoholic foods, and I came with my yellow-white foods, right? <laughs> and she laughed her ass off. Uh, yeah, I can have that cheesecake once a year on my birthday. Uh, you know, when you're in Alcoholics Anonymous, your your your, spon your sponsee doesn't come to you with his yellow white alcoholic foods, right? I can I can't drink hard liquor, but I can have this short can of Coors beer once in a while. Uh, you'd be laughed out of the AA clubhouse. Um, I've been I got recovered in August of 2020, and I've been entirely absent ever since then. I have not even sniffed a brownie. Um, I don't use I don't make barbecue sauce with with um, bourbon. I'm a recovered alcoholic, and I don't use brown sugar to make my barbecue sauce. So I've been clean of sugar since May uh, May 18, 2020, and it has been the most miraculous adventure. So this this then tells you a little bit how I feel then about my journey on the 11th step and. Um, Developing a forgiveness practice And I'm going to talk a little bit about that journey um, Now I'm going to talk about some things that are not in the big book But they are in the big book because if you turn to page uh, 87 if circumstances warrant it says if circumstances warrant and you go down it says uh, uh, There are many helpful books out there Suggestions about the about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. So the eleventh step is my religion. I go to a spiritual community, uh, and my wife and I have learned how to meditate. We spent a year uh, invested our money and time in a course on how to meditate, uh, which has been miraculous in itself. Um, so the eleventh step. Le uh, uh, led me there. The 11th step has led me to outside spiritual books. The big book is my foundation, but it's led me to outside books. Um, and it's led me to the, my, uh, my mentor. Uh, I was uh, eight years sober. Um, I got sober in 1981. I had a beautiful sponsor, um, Tom Fish. Love that man. I, I did anything he asked me to do. The first man I ever trusted. And he knew I was in trouble. And I've done a lot of, I, I did a couple, uh, you know, a couple four-step, fifth-step inventories. By then, I was doing 10-step. But some of these grievances and some of these uh, resentments were really, you know, 
fit congealed energy and I just kept repeating them. And so he sent me to his, uh, his my grand sponsor, Ed Radigan. Now Ed Radigan at that time, this was in 1988 or 87, he had 45 years. Ed Radigan knew Bill W. He was, he grew up on the East Coast. Ed Radigan went to meetings in New York and Jersey, in New Jersey. He knew some of the original 100, right? Um, Ed was a highly compensated uh, employee of a 500 company. Um, he was sober. He had uh, stock options, pension plan. He had a house on the Jersey Shore. Uh, children went to uh, Harvard, Yale. Wife belonged to um, you know, hospital board, Seroptimus. Um, he had a couple of Cadillacs in his garage, and he was dying. He was recovered, and he was dying. And he went to uh, his wife with a proposition that they downsize their life and they commit their life to service and uh, she would have no part of that. So they got a divorce. He gave everything to her, every single thing, the stock options, the pension, the car, the house, everything. And he began his journey uh, coming to Sacramento. And when I met him, um, I came to his apartment, his flat, and he was living an aesthetic life at that time that point but I, I heard him at meetings that he always talked about the 11th step uh, and he always talked about forgiveness and so I would go over there the next five or six years in pain you know at that point in my life um, and I was mentored by by him to study the 11th step and to him the 11th step was the, the pivotal step if you were successful working 11th step you would be successful working the other 11 steps right and he taught me about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. And he, um, he introduced me to a book. I can't share this book with you, but I, I can tell you the author because the author uh, has been, was instrumental in Bill's life and it's mentioned in a lot of the, uh, the books coming of age, mentioned in Dr. Bob and the Old Timers, and it's Emmett Fox. And the, the first 100 would be at an AA meeting and they would then go down the street to Steinway Hall in New York and listen to Emmett Fox. Emmett Fox was a, was a, uh, a new thought practitioner. And what Dr. Bob said was he believed that Emmett Fox's book um, was the underlying philosophy in the AA big book. Um, and Bill made, I won't, tell you Bill's story about this, but later on in his life, he converted over to Christianity as a result of, uh, of Emmett Fox. Uh, and so Emmett Fox was a huge um, influence in his life. And in Sacramento, again, in some of these fundamental groups I go to, a groups of pockets of fundamentalism, um, you'll see his book on the table. Um, so there's a clue, right? Because in that book, uh, Ed introduced me to a forgiveness technique that I use today. Um, Ed taught me that um, forgiveness is not about forgetting. You know, I don't have to forget. In fact, it would be dangerous for me to forget. You know, the, you hear this uh, in many big box religions, forgive and forget. Uh, there's a line or a big book that says that um, we're not to forget the past, but the past is not defined. Uh, it would be my wisdom has come out of my past, and why would I forget the past? So, it, first of all, for, uh, forgiveness uh, is not about forgetting. Um, it's not also about having to love a certain person. There are certain people that are unlovable that um, that I 
have tried and was a failure at that. So it's not about having to love that person. What Ed taught me, this is the key, and this is a hard one for me to, for me to get my mind wrapped around at that time. But forgiveness, yes, we're forgiving somebody, but we're forgiving ourselves, yes, yes. Melanie's correct. We forgive somebody, we're forgiving ourselves. But more importantly, we're healing our perception of what that person has done to me. We're healing our perception. And the, the big book is, I don't know how many times, 67 times the mind's been mentioned, uh, delusion. My favorite line in the big book uh, is on page, <clears throat> it's on page uh, 61. And it says, is he not a victim of the delusion that he can rest satisfaction and happiness of this world if he only manages well? Uh, that's been one of my principal things I'm healing from. Is I need to, I need to have, need to be acknowledged by you. I need to be loved by you. I need to be appreciated by you. And so my perception of this person doing harm is what needs to be healed. Um, and I'll give you an example. My wife and I went to Guatemala. Um, we, were, um, we were on a bus uh, on the border of uh, Belize and Guatemala, and we were in this bus, and there was Guatemalans. Love Guatemala. It's just uh, awesome people. And to my left was this, uh, was this uh, administrative building, right? We're on the border. And checking, they're, they're, the police are checking our passports. And I'm sitting there waiting. It's hot. We're in this bus with uh, Guatemalans and other people, and we're waiting to, to go into Guatemala. And I look to my left, and there's this whitewashed building. And there's just this enormous animal climbing on the side of this building. And I'm going, oh, my God, what is that? And I'm, I'm, I'm staring out there, and I cannot figure out what this black uh, animal that is crawling up the size building. And I realized it's a fly. It was a fly in my window. And so my perception, you know, I'm using the word perception, but really I suffer from delusion. It talks about in a doctor's opinion that I have an abnormal mind, an abnormal brain. I, I, my brain is wired differently from other folks. I was at the co-op having breakfast with two of my men friends from my men's fellowship, and there was a man, an uh, older man with his mother sitting behind me, and he was talking about for half an hour <laughs> this dessert that he found. It was, uh, it was like the size, it was a handmade dessert the size of a silver dollar. And he said it came into, these, he was excited, he came in these different packages. And he said, I, I, I thought about getting the eight, uh, the, the, the package of eight, the package of six. He said, I live alone. And, you know, really, I just, I got the package of two here. <laughs> I, 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 can you, I mean, if you're sitting there, you, like me, would be, you know, stunned to hear that, right? First of all, I would not eat any dessert that was in the shape of a silver dollar. So there is something wrong with my brain. And my brain needs to be healed, right? And so I suffer from this, this delusion while rest satisfaction on this world, which, you know, um, Ed call a perception. Um, so that's what uh, forgiveness has done for me. And I've had this practice um, since 1988, 1989. And I'm going to share with you this technique. And it's gotten richer and richer. And I got away from it because I was in full-blown relapse prior to coming to a vision for you in, in 2020. And that sponsor 
who took me to the steps, my brain started to heal, right? And I started to, I started to have clarity and sharpness in my brain and my mind. And I picked up the forgiveness tools. And forgiveness has been, the practice of forgiveness has been revolutionary. Um, you might say, well, I do four steps. I do 10 steps. Why the forgiveness? Well, a lot of people don't know there's a column five in the 10th step. The column five is a spiritual solution. And in a spiritual solution, we ask ourselves, do I need to make an amends? Uh, we write out our, uh, the character defects that was triggered by that resentment or fear. And then we write out what is a spiritual solution. For me, um, one of the spiritual solutions is always forgiveness. Because there was time, there's been times, and I know that if this is true for people on this call, you, all you have to do is take 10 steps. You might hear the person um, recycling the same resentment, right? Courageous, doing these 10 steps, courageously doing these 10 steps. I feel that the game changer is after I've done that 10 step and if I had to make amends or I share it with somebody, I, I find a quiet place in the house and I do, I do a forgiveness technique around that. And sometimes I have to do it over and over again. And I'll, and I'll share one with you that has been a, life, a lifelong resentment. I hatred of this man. Hatred of this man. Um, I was willing to take it to the grave. I was willing to take it to the grave. But my sponsor in another program, when I got abstinent and I, my mind started to clear up, uh, we talked about this. And <clears throat> he said, Larry, he said, you don't want to go to your grave with this resentment. This man could never do it good enough. I judged him horribly. Um, I did things to sabotage him, did things to hurt him over and over again. That man was me. That man is me. Um, now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, that doing that forgiveness technique cleared a lot of that up. I had to go outside the program. Um, I had to go to another fellowship. Uh, had to seek out some therapy around that. Um, my this my sponsor's program was the first time to notice that I was a shame. I had shame based. Now this is not an ACA meeting, and I'm not going to disrespect this meeting. But I'm not going to disrespect myself and tell you that yeah, I did this forgiveness technique, and all that went away. This was a lifelong. And it will be a lifelong process of, of uh, undoing the damage I've done to myself, right? And today, um, today when I actually walk down the street and I get a, a glimpse, a reflection of myself in the mirror, I actually look over there and I actually like this person today. I like who I am. I'm not there yet where I love myself. And this is not about the NFL wide receiver who catches a touchdown pass and kicking his biceps, kissing his biceps. What this is about is becoming my own best friend, right? Um, taking impeccable care of myself. Um, creating, my wife and I, we create an ashram in our house. Um, I'm living an aesthetic life like Ed, right? Simplify, downsize our life. We have a people come in our house; they love our home. Um, I purchase good quality furniture. We love 
reclaimed teak. The office I'm sitting in is also our sanctuary. Um, I grew up in a household that was a shithole. Outside my window was a pile of transmissions, and you could open the window because the automatic transmission fluid would waste through. Um, you look out my window, it's beautiful landscape, side yard, uh, the beautiful Japanese maple. We have a, a trellis of, uh, of uh, star jasmine. It smells beautiful in the summer, open the window. And here's where I do my work. I'm, I have a self-employed business, and this is where my wife and I do our, our meditation. Um, I listen to spiritual music today. Uh, my wife and I, we are kind to one another. We don't raise our voices. In fact, i got to tell you a funny story. The cats would have nothing to do with me before I got absent. Now these cats follow me around the house all day because I walk gently and I talk softly. Um, when people come to our house, they, are, they always say, this is a, there's love in this house, right? There's love in this house. So one of the revolutionary changes of this process of beginning to forgive myself is I started to heal from this desperate need of being acknowledged, appreciated, and to approval. That has sent me down some dangerous places um, with so-called friends, toxic relationships. I was toxic. I attracted these people. Um, I no longer am seeking your acknowledgement, approval, or appreciation. I'm not saying that as an FU. I'm saying that uh, as out of self-respect for my uh, for my own um, my own recovery. And I I know I have warning signs now when I'm posturing for acknowledgement, approval, and appreciation. And where do I get that today? I get it from myself and God. I go inward to Divine Mother. And I see Divine Mother holding me in her arms, right, and soothing me and comforting me. And I get it from my wife. I don't ask for it. I don't position myself for it. Because who wants to be in a relationship that has that kind of need, that bottomless pit, right? And so um, I show up as an equal partner, and I get everything I need. I have a loving wife, and we're respectful for each other. Um, if I need to go to India for three months and, and go uh, practice meditation, she would miss me, but she let me go. I let her go for three months. Three summers in a row, she went to a, um, a world-class uh, program to launch her middle school uh, K through eight. Um, and when she came home, there was a candle burning in the window, right? Uh, house was secure. Cats were taken care of business taken care of. And so this is how I love myself today, uh, by becoming my own best friend. That was the greatest line my sponsor said, Larry, why don't you become your own best friend? You wouldn't treat people the way you treat yourself. And so uh, that led me to um, studying shame and getting some therapy and getting some help. And I'm not going to tell you that it was all this forgiveness technique or this forgiveness uh, practice, but it, 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 it is. It led me it's led me to where I am now today, where I'm beginning to like who I am. And I'm, I'm dissolving and dismantling the perfectionism and these unbelievable high expectations that, uh, that nobody can ever meet. So what is this technique? Um, again, Emmett Fox, uh, this 
it looks something like this. And again, I want to be respectful to those people on this call that, you know, uh, maybe agnostic or maybe atheist or um, they don't buy into the Christian, you know, maybe you're Muslim, maybe you're uh, Hindu, maybe you're Jewish, or maybe you're Buddhist, uh, maybe you're Native American, right? And, and I have a good friend who's Native American. He said, we don't have God or the devil, devil in our language, but these are some of the spiritual people I've ever met. So you can customize this, um, this technique. And so what he says here is, you know, if you have a grievance or you have a resentment or somebody needs to be forgiven, go somewhere quiet and do a little meditation and um, say a prayer. Now, I, I, uh, this, this person I study uh, in our community who was founder of our community, who is from India, um, this master who I love, he's no longer with us. But he said, if you want to, uh, to know more about God, study the saints. And so I've been studying the saints, right? And my favorite saint, I can use it, I can tell you, is St. Augustine. And there's a fellowship named after St. Augustine. St. Augustine was a sex addict of the worst kind. Um, and his prayers are like Bill W.'s writing the big book. When you read the big book, you know that, the, that this was an alcoholic wrote this, right? You cannot mistake it. It's not written by a committee and sent to a ghostwriter and dumbed down like a lot of the literature we have today. It is written by an alcoholic of the worst kind. And the prayers by St. Augustine are written by um, a recovered sex addict who has a love affair with God. And so I will say these prayers to prepare myself. And then <clears throat> the technique looks something like this. It says, um, I fully and forgive, I fully and forgive blank. Okay. I fully and freely forgive blank. You mentioned the, the offender's name. I lose blank and I let blank go. I completely forgive the whole business in question. So whatever that grievance, whatever that resentment that I've been given 10 step of 10 step and it just keeps recycling, I'm ready, I'm ready to let that business go. Whatever that business is, I'm ready to let it go. As far as I'm concerned, it is finished forever. I cast the burden of the resentment upon, again, I'm going to say blank, because you can fill in your God of your understanding or misunderstanding. <clears throat> I cast the burden of resentment upon the blank within me. He is free now, and I am free now. I wish him well in every phase of his life. The instant is finished. The blank tr truth has set us both free. I thank God. Now, he recommends if a thought comes up and, and, and what, what, I've, what I've learned about this is that the thought still may come up. I may, I may have an image will come back and that hurt will, will re recycle, but it becomes the duration of that holding that thought and the intensity of that thought becomes shorter and the duration and the intensity becomes lessened, right? And, and, and then over a period of time, it dissolves. And I'll run into that person, um, and I, uh, I, I'm neutral. In fact, I, I can show what has led, forgiveness has led to compassion, um, which has led to emotional sobriety. Uh, so a work in progress, not there completely, but it's led to, to, to some pretty good emotional sobriety. Now, if you're a sponsor out there, 
and you have a forgiveness practice, we have to be sensitive. There's some, there, there some situations that this forgiveness technique is not going to help. If you've been traumatized, um, you're certainly not going to ask that person, um, you know, who, to do a 10-step if they have been in a catastrophic car accident, they've been traumatized, right? Uh, you're probably going to tell them to go to therapy. If somebody has been crimes of humanity been committed against them, um, you're probably, I'm not the right person. I'm going to probably recommend that person go to therapy. But eventually, I did sponsor somebody where crimes of humanity were committed against that person. And that person did a lot of deep work. And, um, and we went through the steps together. And I would never send that person, right? That, that, that would be insensitive and, and, and unwise to send that person back to that perpetrator um, uh, to, to do a clearing. Um, but it was up to that person, and it was up to that person's schedule uh, to forgive. And, you know, that person has forgiven that individual. And that person's free now. And there's a revolutionary change in that person's personality as a result of the forgiveness work. But it took a period of time. So I'm sensitive to the people I work with. Um, for example, um, if you have a mental illness, I have a mood disorder. I have to take care of that mood disorder. Um, I could do all the 10 steps in the world. If I don't take care of that mood disorder, it will not help me. And so if you have, if you're sponsoring somebody or you're out there and you have a mood disorder, you've got to take care of your mental illness first. That's got to be number one before any of this works. So those are just a few exceptions. So um, I know when I am in, on calls like this and in, in conferences, I get excited and I want to come back and I want to share this with my sponsees and share this, but I have to temper that because, again, there are exceptions, right? There are exceptions um, that we want to uh, walk softly, thread softly. Um, so, yes. For me, forgiveness is the golden hinge that absence swings on. And yes, my recovery is a handcrafted, reclaimed oak door, that heavy duty that you don't buy at the, um, at the uh, warehouses, right? To me, that's recovery. It is, it is elegant. It is, it is um, rich. It is um, the greatest adventure I've been, ever been on. And to me, Forgiveness, like surrender, is non-negotiable. And with that, I, I pass it back to you, Melanie. Thank you so much, Larry. What a beautiful presentation today. Thank you so much for your heart and your soul and your experience here this morning. It's going to be shared by so many others. This is a beautiful, beautiful presentation today. Grateful to have you with us. The share ID number for those that want to re-listen to this, because it's very instructive, um, would, will be 21078, 21,078, and that's for the 28th of January. You want to go back and take a good listen for more notes. Oh, wonderful. Are you ready for this? It's time for Q&A. If you have questions okay. for Larry, <laughs> please unmute your phone by pressing star 1 on your phone keypad. Offer your first name, the first letter of your last name, and your state. And then immediately upon asking your question, please press star 1 again to re-mute your line because there's not necessarily an extra time for a debate back and forth with these things. So who's ready this morning? 
Nancy J. Nancy J. Anyone else? Star one. Well, let's start with Nancy J. Uh, Sonia S. Oh, hey, Sonia. I'll take you down. Shoshana Thank you. Judy and N. Shoshana. Who did I hear? Shoshana? Shoshana S. from PA. I hope it's Shoshana. I'm kind of hearing. Yes. Elise N. Elise N. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Kathy D. Maura from Minnesota. Kathy D. and Maura. I think I heard you, Maura, right? Maura Z. Yes, Maura Z. Yes, okay, thanks. Great. great. Excellent. Okay, let's go with that lineup. Nancy J., Sonia S., Shoshana, Elise, Kathy, and Maura. Hey, Nancy, your question this morning. Everyone else, star one, please. Good morning. Thank you so much. Uh, Am I unmuted? You sure are. Come right in. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Larry G. Wow. Uh, Thank you, Higher Power, for nudging me to set my alarm. I'm in California. Nancy J. recovered for today. Um, And uh, I don't normally set my alarm. I usually just listen, um, you know, to the recording. But Thank you, higher power, for this. And, oh, my goodness, I can die today with that cat story. I am dying over that. I love cats, and I love, I love that. And <laughs> it's awesome. My question is, <clears throat> um, you mentioned uh, a posturing uh, when you start to feel uh, uh, the need for being acknowledged. Did I get that right? And if I did, wh- what is that like? Well, how do you get that posturing? Oh. Well, first of all, I gotta tell you, this is the part this question answered that kept me up last night. <laughs> and thank you for going easy me easy on that, Nancy. Uh, it is a it is a like nonverbal. It is uh, it is a feeling I get in my my body when I when I have uh, this need, this desperate need to be loved or appreciated or attention or acknowledge, um, whether it was in business, whether it was in relationships, family, um, in, 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 in groups, in 12-step groups, I could feel it in my chest where I'm, I'm um, my body is, is moving towards somebody to, uh, to get what I need. Uh, I can feel it uh, in my, the, my forehead. And I, my therapist and my sponsor had me do a body check when I would uh, need your acknowledgement, your your approval, and it was it is a, it was is a terrible terrible uh, way to live, and it's a difficult for anybody to be in a relationship that has that bottomless need, and so I would uh, my, I would on a stressful situations where I was feeling empty inside or I was feeling vulnerable, I was checking, I was doing a body scan. And for me, it's in my chest. It's like I'm leaning into you, wanting something from you. Um, and Bill W. talks about that in the, uh, in the uh, uh, emotional sobriety, The Last Frontier. Posturing to me is I'm leaning into you and I'm needing something um, from you. Um, I'm asking something from you. I'm demanding something from you. I have some expectation you're going to treat me in some way. That's what I meant by posturing. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very Larry. much, Nancy. 
Thank you so much, Nancy, for your question. Next up is Sonia S. Where are you from, Sonia? Hi, good morning. This is Sonia S. from Pennsylvania, Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater. And Larry, thank you for your share. And you mentioned that um, forgiveness is not forgetting. Um, I was wondering, in circumstances where it's clear that someone has caused you harm and it feels maybe like a toxic relationship, um, are you um, or do you, like, remove yourself from the situation, like, for example, loving from a distance? That, that is a great question. And that's uh, the result of some of the work is removing myself from uh, toxic situations. Um, I was attracted to that. I was attracted to that prior to that discovery uh, by my sponsor in another program suggesting I get outside help. And I've come a long ways from that, from then. Um, I'm, we're, we in this community, we have really well-developed shift detectors, right? We've come from some of the worst families. And we know um, when there's a, a danger, 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 right? Um, and so I, I'm not in any toxic relationships today. I was toxic. I attracted toxic relationships. Um, I keep my distance uh, even in, when I work out in the men's room. There's men who are uh, very aggressive. I, I keep my distance from them. Um, um, homeless people on the street. I was nearly killed five years ago by a homeless person. I'm not going to forget that, right? This person came up behind me and put me in a chokehold. It wasn't for my daughter who plays Division One softball that took a, um, a tree stake and beat him off me. I'd be dead today. So I'm not going to walk. If I see a homeless person punching the air, I'm not going to go over and, and engage with him. So I, I avoid those issues with grace, right? With grace. I love that person with, with, and from a distance. But I, I, I think of myself today uh, as my own best friend. I'm not going to put myself into – and my sponsor who is on the line has a great saying. It's a Zen saying. It says, we know the end in the beginning with sponsees, right? Work with spon- we know if this, spon- this sponsee is going, to, is going to be willing to do the work or not. Um, we can meet people. We know the end in the beginning. And that, to me, is a litmus test. Um, and so I, I will, yes, I will avoid. I don't avoid. I just, I don't want to attract it today. Thank you very Great much. Great question. Great question. Mm, yes. Sonia F., thank you so much. Next up is Shoshana, if I have that correct, with your question, please. Hi. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, Larry, I truly, truly appreciated um, everything that you shared. Some of the things that stood out to me the most is um, when you were talking about how there was this man that you truly hated. You would do everything you could to sabotage them, and it ended up being yourself. Um, But now you are your own best friend. You take impeccable care of yourself. I thought that was beautiful. Um, I can relate to... uh, 
to it in a sense to what you said about studying shame and how you got the help that you needed. Um, is there any particular go-to practice that you have when you're starting to feel that uh, shame come upon you or perhaps constant guilt um, when, if that makes any sense? Like when you start it it does. That. It does. And I, I, and I'm, I, it's a, it is a great question, and it's something that uh, all of us um, who come from dysfunctional families share in common. Uh, and all of us, um, we owe it to ourselves to, uh, to investigate this and get outside help. And because this is not, this is Overeaters Anonymous, it's not ACA, I, I, I'm, I'm going to pass on that. I will tell you this, that to me that is an outside issue. Uh, and I, I mentioned that front, I, to me that you, I needed to go to a professional. Um, my sponsor guided me towards looking at this, but ended up going to a professional that helped me to unpack that toxic shame. So as respect, as respect to OA, Overuse Anonymous, um, I just mentioned it because it was part of my growth and development um, and to beginning to like who I am. But yes, I would... If you're identifying with that, I would really uh, go back to your sponsor and, 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 and maybe get some outside help with it. It's, it's worth uh, its weight in gold to spend that money because it is destructive and it does lead you down to uh, dark, dark uh, alleys and, 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 and uh, you know, toxic relationships. I, I, I see that down today. Thank you very much, Shoshana, and thank you very much, Larry. For your sensitivity in all of this, it's it's wonderful. Shoshana, be sure and get Larry's telephone number. Perhaps there's more on a private phone conversation you can have there. Next up for a question is Elise N. Followed by Kathy. Elise, star one, please. Hi, I'm experiencing some like immobilizing fear today, and I'm wondering how you would get out of that. What the best way to get out of that is. Oh wow! Um, well, I have I have to look at how immobilizing it is. I I shared with you my surrender in 2020, and I was I was immobilized. Um, I couldn't get out of the house. I'd walk, watch people walk by, talking, laughing, and I was ordering DoorDash. Um, and I was immobilized, and it took a surrender of epic proportion for me. I mean, really, it took a surrender to my knees um, for me to begin to unpack that. And uh, and where the work I, I, I the work that I did on that was with my sponsor and a thorough fear inventory. Um, and I I love I love the fear portion, the fear inventory in our big book. I love the I love the the uh, the language bill uses, um, which is on page 66 and 67, or 67, 68. Um, and I always finish up asking, you know, Larry, if you really are staying in the sunlight of God, what do you have to fear? Um, and I have had some immobilizing fear because I have half my business revenue has, has been is down. I had my biggest client is scaling back. And I went into a, the fear of economic insecurity. And so I did some 10 steps on this. 
um, and reminding myself that God is my treasurer. God's got deep pockets. Uh, this client's not my treasurer. So uh, a lot of, uh, of work with my sponsor on fear, 10 steps on that, and um, you know, making positive statements, reading those pages. And if, it, if you're still immobilized, then again, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, advocate of outside help. Uh, then maybe uh, this is not, this is beyond a, a 10 step or a four step. Thank you so much, Elise, and for your question this morning. Kathy D., you're up next with a question, followed by Maura. Hi, this is Kathy D. in Minnesota. Larry, you mentioned about redefining what was done that was harmful as a part of the forgiveness process, and I'm really curious if you have discovered a way to do that and you could share that with us. Thank you. Oh, before you go, I'm not, I, I'm not sure, I'm not clear on your question. Could you just ask that in one or two sentences so I can be clear of what your question is? I remember you saying, if I'm correct, that part of the forgiveness process that you learned was to redefine the harm that was done. And I'm curious if you could say more about that, what that looks like. Give an example. Hmm. I'd have to go back and listen to that. I don't remember say, saying redefine the harm. Um, I don't really have an answer to that. I'll have to go back and listen. I don't remember saying anything about redefining harm. Could you say more about that? What is your What was your experience about uh, oh. me saying that? Okay. <laughs> it was just something that jumped out at me. Maybe God was saying it to me. Um, I yeah, I, I, I'll have to go listen again. Maybe you. Maybe <laughs> I will. That, I will too. It sounded so profound. <laughs> you, you stumped me. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kathy D. Uh, next up is Maura Z with her question, and then we're going to open it up for other questions. We're going to have lots of time. Thank for you. Us. Hi, Maura. Hi, Melanie. Thanks so much for your service. Always. And Larry, thank you for thank you for your subject because it's been on my mind for many years. I have a situation with my older sister and after being bullied for most of my life by her, about two years ago I cut her out. And um I had to because it was just very toxic. Um, it's been on my heart to forgive. Um, I've been able to, after going through several 10 and 4th steps, I've let go of the resentment. Thank you, God. Um, it's been on my heart to forgive. And I, in my head, are thinking, logistically, how do I do this? Because if I call her, well, I don't know anything, right? So I don't know if she's going to take my call. I have a gut feeling that says, she won't, or if she is, she's just going to be her belligerent self. Do I send an email? That doesn't sound right because I know in my, when I make amends, I'm supposed to do them in, in person. So I'm, I'm a little bit lost as to how to proceed and whether or not forgiveness is always needed. I, and, and if you could touch on those two, I would really appreciate your input. Thank you. Well, 
my heart goes out to both of your sister. Um, I, I don't. I don't think anybody should have an expectation that um, that you should forgive. This is this is your work. Um, you know, there are relationships that I have ended um, that I no longer am in contact with. Um, some of them are quite toxic. And I today I have complete compassion for, for those people. I attracted that. That's the thing I've got to look at. i got to look at my part. I attracted that in my life. Um, and so I have to look at that. And this is a great subject to take your sponsor. Uh, it's a great uh, subject for the eighth and ninth step. Uh, and Bill is really clear in the eighth step that there are certain people that we do not go back to because we might injure them or others. Um, and so there is a subtlety uh, to doing the ninth step that a, a recovered sponsor can help you with. Um, and I've had, again, I've had those kinds of resentments, 10 steps, 10 step, 10 step, and was just really uh, thick congealed energy around that resentment. And I really had to uh, pray for willingness and, you know, and, and praying for willingness because I don't want to take it to the grave. Um, and I found a way to forgive that person that worked for me. And there's some people, I have a cousin who is um, a practicing alcoholic that is, is just mean as a junkyard dog. Why would I put myself in a position, right, to wake that junkyard dog up. Uh, I love him from a distance, and I've done my work in forgiving him, but um, reaching out to him, that would not be wise for me. And so I think a, a good recovered sponsor who has been down this road and is, is really uh, skilled at the eighth and ninth step could really help you with that. Thank you very much, Maura, for that question. Very valuable question today, and your answer this morning, Larry, with that. Hey, I'm going to invite some more folks to come on and, and ask questions that have them out there. If you give me your first name, the first letter of your last name, and your state, we have plenty of time for a few more. I got Joanne B, but somebody from California said something. Joy B of California. Got to Joy, uh-huh. Novella P from Maine. No, gotcha, Novella. Do you have Carolina in York? No, I did not, but I do now. Thanks, Caroline. Thank Caroline S, is that who it is? Okay. Anybody else? Yes, Hanayeta R. from Texas. Hanayeta. Thank you. From Texas. Yeah, you betcha. Let's go with that and see how the time holds for us. And then if, if we have it, we will certainly open it up again. So first up with a question would be Pete B., followed by Joanna, Joy, Novella, Carolyn, and Hannah. There you are in that order there. First up, Pete B., your question this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. You did a great job with it. Larry, thank you for your presentation. It was very deep and heavy, and I appreciate it. <clears throat> Can you share how you rid yourself of selfishness and self-centeredness? Oh. Well, Pete, I, I've heard you on the, the uh, 7 a.m. Eastern call 
And uh, I love your shares, and you've talked often about this. And I, I, I do it the way you do it. Um, I do it the way you do it. I, I do, uh, I do ten steps, and give them to people, recovered people, and ask for feedback. Um, and God is my, is my master. Um, and an eleventh step, in the morning and evening, without fail. Uh, and I love the, the, the uh, to me the Pete the, to me the best line in the big book to answer your question is in the eleventh step and says, you know, did I put more in the stream of life today or did I take more out? And my goal each day is to put more in the stream of life, which means less of me and more of you. Uh, and I do that through service. So uh, just the way you do it, Pete. You know, you're uh, dedicated to the 12 steps, working the fourth, working the 10th, doing the 11th step in the morning and evening, watching out for self-centeredness throughout the day. Um, I'm prone to that. Um, I, I, have, I have a lot of ego. And I really prayed and I worked my, I talked to my sponsor before this call because uh, there, are, there are people in our program that are gifted speakers who, uh, who have done conferences and book studies and so on. I'm not one of those, and I don't want to compete and be one of those. I just want to be myself today. And I realize that I have this, this ego, this selfishness, this self-centeredness that could, um, could blow this up. And so I want to be a vulnerable today. So I'm, I'm aware of it through prayer and meditation, 11-step work, just like what you do. Great question. Thank you so much, Pete B. from Pennsylvania. Next up is Joanna B., followed by Joy. Star one, Joanna, your question, please. Um, this is Joanne B. from Vermont. Mm. Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you, Larry. Um, really enjoyed uh, your talk this morning. And one thing um, you mentioned that I can really identify with is uh, a big part of what you said was um, how you were uh, very dependent on other people um, for your um, to get approval of. You were always seeking approval, and you wanted people to like you, and you wanted that um, affirmation or validation. And you also mentioned um, how you set yourself up. It, in an answer to one of the questions, she said you kind of like set yourself up for certain relationships that were toxic, and you had to. I, that happened to me. That's happened to me a few, quite a few times, and um, I've had to end relationships. How exactly did you set yourself up um, for those toxic relationships? And that's my question, really. Wow. Um, I, I was toxic, and um, uh, I was uh, in relapse, and I attracted people who were toxic as well. And so you have a, a pretty powerful cocktail there, two toxic people interacting with each other. Um, so when I did my work with uh, sponsoring the program, we we did a lot of work on this, and I identified people in my life who were so-called friends, um, but never called me. One guy, you know, I know for 20 years, never called me. I always call him. 
And if he had something better going on, you know, he would choose um, the better deal. Um, and I just got sick and tired of getting my head kicked in because I, was, I wanted this person to be something he's not. And what's helped me with the forgiveness is that I no longer uh, roast him over the coals. It's just the relationship didn't work out. Um, and so I'm, I'm aware now today that I have a tendency um, to gravitate to certain kind of people who I would call dry wells. They have nothing to offer. Um, and I, I'm, I have to be aware of that. And that's what I was referring to. We don't forget our past. We just don't forget our past. Our, my wisdom has come from my past. Um, and we have, we're a wounded community. We have, we have people on this call that have come from horrendous situations, and we eventually learn from them and don't repeat it. Um, and so I, today, I'm just fine you know, with who I am and don't really need anybody to acknowledge, approve, um, or pay attention to me. And I know the signs when I'm, when I'm in need of that, and I go to God. I go to Divine Mother, and I see Divine Mother uh, wrapping me in her arms and holding me and stroking my head like a child because that's, that's what I am at that moment. I'm a child. And if you want to read more about this, you know, Bill W. got his ass kicked, you know, and he wrote in Emotional Sobriety, The Next Frontier. It's a great, great letter. You can get it on, on, online. Um, you can Google it. There's also a really good story in the back of the book, Dr. Addict, Dr. Alcoholic, about expectations, uh, Paul O. Um, and, and so I really have to check my expectations. I was doing this to my wife last night, right? Uh, I was doing this to my wife. And I, and I suddenly realized, Larry, you're putting unfair expectations on her. Stop it, right? Um, ask her. You know, this is, if, if you need something, ask from her, but don't, you know, be passive aggressive. Um, anyway, it's been a long process for me. It's just, there's no one answer. Um, again, outside help, working with a loving sponsor, um, you know, reading books as it suggests in the, uh, the 11 step books on this topic have all helped me to get to where, and I'm a work in progress. This is a default. It will never, uh, this will never go away. This is a wound that will always be, I'll have to keep, I have to be in a healing process. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but uh, it is a process. Once you're aware of it, then you need to get help for it, whether it's in the program or outside the program. Thank you, Larry. Melanie, hit star one. We can't hear you. Oh, Boy B, you, you're Laura. up next. <laughs> thank you so much, you guys, for pitching. Good morning. I'm Joy B. Hello, I'm Joy B. from California. And first, I have to thank you, Larry. I thank you as a hostess, first of all, but I thank you for telling this because, you know, I cried all the time you spoke because for the first time in more than 40 years, my affiliation with Overeaters Anonymous and the vision program, which I've been in for more than a year, have I ever, ever thought that what you said could be true every single day of my life. I must say aloud, quietly, 
how much I hate myself for being an overeater, how much I've deprived myself of, the love of my life I deprived myself of, jobs I wanted to do, uh, a profession that I really wanted to be a singer, but I never picked that up. I adopted some six children, and I took my my teacher's retirement and, and spent it on putting them through school, more than $600,000, and now I'm 82 without any money. I hate myself for doing that because they don't want to take care of me. I have a list of hating myself for that would go from here, from California to the East Coast. But it never occurred to me that all of the eating I'm doing has anything to do with that. And I have to thank you. I would, I never, ever, with my two doctorates, my therapy, and all of the things that I pursue, every self-help book, every meeting on the planet, it never occurred to me that how I feel about me, how much resentment I have towards myself for what I've done to myself, how much I deal with it all day, many days. Because, of course, I've, I've compromised my knees and my ankles and I can't walk very much. I can't get around. So I have a lot of time to spend pondering these things. So I'm so grateful to you because you set me on, on a different trail that will also contribute to my healing. And you sure, honey, so- I just want to interrupt you for just a second. Can you formulate this into a question, please? Just in the interest of time and those that are waiting for a question. Oh, uh, yes, thank you. So I, I want to ask you whether or not you daily work on this. Is this something that you find you have to do daily? Well, great question, yes. And what a dear soul you are. You're 82 years old and you're on this call and you're still working on recovery. And what a gift you gave to those children, uh, adopting those children. Um, And that's what you have to do. That's what I have to do with myself. I have to acknowledge myself uh, for small, sweet victories. Uh, Not, you know, I'm not talking about, again, the NFL wide receiver who catches a touchdown, runs in the end zone, and is kissing his biceps. I'm talking about just acknowledging myself for a job well done, uh, small, small victories, and uh, being grateful. Um, and yes, it, it, is, it is a lot of work up front, but it's well worth it. I, I don't want to, to have 72 hours left to live and having to be working on this. So yes, Joy, it's well worth the effort, the energy, uh, to come on the other end and have some freedom from this and to say to yourself, I, I, I like who I am. I like how I am. That's been my experience. And I wish you well with that. I, I wish you well with that. Amen. Amen. The promises. Uh, thank you so much for your question. Let's see who's up next. We got Novella. Yes, this is Novella from Maine. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Come right in. Okay. This is my question, Larry. I Well, this is, a, this is a statement, and then comes the question. I am learning so much about myself today. It's just like, oh, my God. I never knew that. I never knew that. <laughs> saying. But I went out on the web um, looking for books on a book on Emmett Fox. And, my God, there's so many of them out there. I was wondering if you have a favorite book or any book that you would recommend I start this journey on. And that's my question. Thank you. Uh, that is a 
is a great question. It, it is a, it, he has done, he has written a lot of books and I can't mention the book. This book at one time was conference approved literature, but it no longer is conference approved. I will tell you though, it was written in 1934 uh, and it's his, it's probably his cornerstone book. It's what he's famous for. That's any help. Um, yeah, I, I, I just want to respect uh, the tradition of um, not bringing in outside literature. But again, <laughs> you come to Sacramento, I'm sure, or anywhere in the United States, there's these fundamental AA groups will have it on the table, have one of his books on the table. I appreciate that too, Larry, with, in the interest of traditions. And give her a call. Give him a call. Okay, and you guys can have a conversation privately. Okay, Novella. Next up, Carolyn S. from New York, and then followed by Hanietta. Hi, this is Carolyn S. <clears throat> Excuse me, from New York. Um, first, I really want to thank you so much for talking about mood disorders. Um, I do have a question, but um, yeah, I am bipolar, and you know. Um, the most important thing I do every day is take my medication. Then it's to be abstinent and to work my program so I can be of help to others. I put it in that order because if I don't have my medication, nothing is going to go through my head. I'm not going to feel it. We need or to be very it. careful about outside issues, please. It's, we've kind yes, of gotten no, into I, that trend right now. Please don't even mention it. Thank you so much. We'll just have to do this privately, but I appreciate what you do. But please be very careful. Yeah, I will. Okay. Um, you said something about we know the end and the beginning, and it's a litmus test, and I don't exactly know what you mean by that. Thank you. Well, uh, my sponsor taught me, which is a brilliant, it's a brilliant, simple statement. Uh, you'll know the, um, the end in the beginning, and uh, how many times have I sponsored somebody where I've you know, they've, cut, they've come to the call. I'm going to use this as an example, which, which may help, uh, where somebody who has come to me and said, would you help me out? Will you guide me the steps? I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And I used to be that person. I was that person at one time. Um, I used to be an argument machine. You know, I, was, I, had, I had to retire from the debating society when I came to Vision for You. Um, but this person comes to you, and you know the... And you know the end and beginning because if you suggest something and all of a sudden there's some resistance to that um, or they come to the call and they haven't kept their promises, you pretty much know at that point that this particular individual, bless her heart, hasn't surrendered or you're, you're not a good fit for them. That's also a possibility that I'm not a good fit for that person. And I don't gut it out anymore. I used to gut things out for a year, two years, um, hang on to people. You know, who was I doing that for? I wasn't doing that for me, for them. I was doing that for me. And so today, um, I don't give up on people. But if they come to me and they want to be sponsored and guided through steps, um, then I'm, I'll, I'm there for them. But if there are certain suggestions that are made, um, and they don't keep they don't keep their promises. You pretty much know that if you you could be doing this for the next six to twelve months, and it's going to be a, a tug of war. And I've retired from that. 
again, that's, a, that's disrespectful to me, as my sponsor told me. My sponsor was really helpful with me for this, pointing this out, uh, by the way. I didn't learn this on my own. My sponsor, we had to talk about this and how disrespectful it was. And I was in this relationship with this man who um, wanted me to sponsor him. And uh, he wasn't kind. And he wasn't doing the work. But I was hanging in there because I had, again, I, I have that, that, that need to be needed, right? And my sponsor helped me see that. Thank God. Bless your heart. And now I, I understand what that means. You, can, you know the beginning. You know the end and the beginning. And now it's just a matter of are you willing to, to be a, a stand for yourself and to do the next right thing, which is to let go of that person with love. Thank you very much for your question, Carolyn S. from New York. Hanietta, Hanietta R. from Texas, your question. Good morning, everyone. This is Hanietta. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Come right on in. We'll let you know, though, okay? <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, so thank you so much, um, Larry, right? Yes. Okay. Thank you, Larry, for your uh, wonderful share. Um, I have a couple of questions quickly. Um, well, first a statement. I don't hate myself, but I am not my best friend. And I think maybe part of it is because I'm so needy all the time. So I was wondering if you had a comment on that. And the other thing is um, this forgive uh, and not forget. Um, it's my daughter. I, I, she, just, she just constantly not... Um, she blindsides me all the time, and I, I feel like I need to be on guard all the time. So I feel like I can't forget. I can forgive because she's my daughter and I love her, but it's hard for me to do the other. Okay. So again, how do you to forgive and not have to, you know, be on guard all the time? Hmm. Wow. Uh, well, I have two daughters, and uh, at one time before I got sober in this program, um, I was looking for their approval, especially I was in competition with their mother, who uh, we divorced. And I remember my sponsor sending me to Paul O., Dr. Addict, Dr. Alcoholic. I had expectations that they treated me in a certain way, right? I'm their father, right? I provide for them. and. They have a debt-free college education, and uh, I change the diapers, and they should treat me in a certain way. And it was, it was causing a lot of, a lot of heart, heartache in our relationship. And so when I got absent, I did some, I did, uh, I did some four-step work on this, and did some ten-step work on. It, and I realized how wrong I am. Again, my perception is distorted. Uh, that's what you have to keep going back to if. If, if I'm going to be successful, I've got to surrender to a doctor's opinion, uh, which means I have an abnormal brain. I don't think like other people think. Um, I sometimes, even today, don't know the, the, the truth and the false. And so I have, to really be, I have to really be careful about my, my thinking process and my judgments. And I have to run that by people. I run it by my sponsor. I run it by people in the program. Run by my wife. My wife's an Al-Anon. I've learned a lot from her and how to detach with love. I don't pursue my daughters anymore. They come to me. Um, 
I'm there to be um, I'm there to be a father, not their parent. And I ask nothing from them. My my oldest daughter is an untreated Eleanor. Why would a, a 60 plus old ma- year old man go to uh, uh, his daughter who is untreated for approval when she can't even give it to herself? That's a sickness. I, that's my sickness. My youngest daughter is an, is an AA. Now here's where I posture, right? Um, they, I, I, I will give them unsolicited advice because I have a need to be needed. I'm their father. I'm their, you know, I want to be their mentor. And it just gets rejected. I laugh after it gets rejected because it reminds me one more time, Larry, you know, uh, just be who you are. Uh, let them come to you uh, and be a friend. Let them figure it out on their own. And if they ask you for your help, turn it back to them. You know, hey, you're resourceful. What, what do you think you need? What's your answer on that? Again, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a delicate process um, that began, you know, years ago. Um, and I, I believe it's a result of surrender. Surrender had to happen first. I had to clear my brain. And I have to really uh, check my, my, my motivations. And I love what it says. I think it's in 12 and 12. It says that we have motivations, but what's really the underlying motivation? And I, we have a great community to go to if you want to, to ask, you know, prior to having conversation with our, what is your motivation? What is your underlying motivation? And oftentimes it's selfish for me. It's a selfish motivation. Thank you very much, Hanietta from Texas. That'll be the last question this morning, Larry. That's what time will allow for us today. Thank you very much again for your presentation and the extra time you spent in uh, answering these individual questions and for each question today. Very special and certainly brought about from your recovery, which is wonderful, wonderful. I do hope folks get your phone number so that they can continue some of these conversations that may we were not maybe to fully answer here on the line. So if you would be willing to give your telephone number this morning, your contact information, I'd appreciate getting that from you. I'm in the Pacific Standard Time. We're still on our My number is 916-247-3924. I'm sorry. Yes, that's so true. You know what? I made a mistake, and I think you probably noticed that. We still have to close out this meeting before we get that on our (sighs) recorded line. Thank you so much, Nancy, for letting me know that. It was my mistake. I'm so sorry for that. So let's close this meeting as we do in our normal, normal way. And my forgiveness, Larry, for having a bit of that on our line. Maybe we can get that um, retracted there. So I will close as we do in a normal way here at A Vision for You by reading from the big book on page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you 
and keep you until then.